We talk a lot on this podcast about chess improvement, but when it comes to improving your hiring processes, Indeed is the platform you need. Indeed has over 350 million global monthly visitors, and it has a matching engine that helps you find quality work candidates fast. You can use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with your candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Years ago, when I was running a chess teaching business, I found it hard to find good help, and I had to go through a lot of back and forth to even screen potential candidates. Indeed allows you to do those things efficiently in one place. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed for hiring, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of Perpetual Chess will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility if you go to Indeed.com slash chess. Just go to Indeed.com slash chess right now, and you'll be supporting our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast, Indeed.com slash chess. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, everyone. I'm Ben Johnson, and this is the Perpetual Chess Podcast. On Perpetual Chess, I have weekly conversations with the chess world's best players, promoters, and educators about their lives, careers, current projects, and best practices. For more information, go to perpetualchesspod.com. Hello, everyone. I'm here with international master Luke Harmon Velotti. Luke is fresh off winning some enormous contest, beating like everyone in the world except for me to work for Google. So congratulations, Luke. Thank you. Quite an accomplishment. Yeah, it's, it's really tough. Um, Google has about uh, like 3 million applicants a year and they choose, they give jobs to about 3,000. So um, yeah, it's, it's a very tough competition since Google is just such an amazing place from what i've heard at least i've heard it's an amazing place to work for yeah that's that's the word on the street for sure uh i was wondering because i read the article that made the rounds at least in the united states uh the little news release about it and i was wondering where the three million number came from so that's three million applicants total to work for google and they hire three thousand people yes so it's not like a specific program no uh, it's not like the three million people didn't apply for my specific job but okay <laughs> yeah so and, i think it's just around the world um okay and was your job like a specific um uh was it a specific program of any sort or was it just general hiring of college graduates yeah so it's kind of so i just applied for like the software engineering job okay which, so it's kind of interesting that so i, I was hired uh, like four months ago but I still haven't put, put on a team. So I still don't actually know when I arrived at Google. I don't know what I'm actually going to be doing yet. So um, back in like in July or so, I'll be speaking with some some people there, um, some like heads of different teams. And then from that, we'll find a good match. But yeah, it was a very general job. So they just want to see if you can just do some. If they, they're going to hire me for something involving coding, but I don't really know what yet. Okay. Um, and is the delay due to waiting for you to finish school or just their schedule or what? Um, I think the initial thing was just they want to make sure that you can do um, whatever team you do end up getting hired for. They want to make sure that you're going to have the skills to succeed on that team. And 
I think it, now, I think, um, yeah, they're probably just waiting for me to graduate and just making sure um, everything goes through. They don't want to have me speak with everybody and then something to happen. So Okay, and it, did, I, did I read something that you needed to be 18 for a certain aspect of it? Yeah, so I, I applied for the job back in October, September, around that time. So that was when I was 17. Um, so there, there were three rounds of interviews. There's like a online test at the beginning. Then the second round is a phone screening, so I speak with like an engineer. And then the final round of interviewing is where they fly you out to the Google campus, and you have an entire day of interviews. Um, so like four, four 45-minute interviews plus like a lunch interview. But before they could fly me out, they – so this is back in October, and I turned 18 in November. So before they could fly me out, they, they had to wait for me to turn 18 because of they're not legally allowed to fly me out until I'm 18. Oh, funny. Okay. So <laughs> we had to put the process on hold for two months until that. Okay. And I think a lot of listeners will have come across your story and people in uh, the U.S. Will, will have heard of you just because of your chess accomplishments. But <laughs> for those of you uh, listening in that, that don't know about Luke's background, so he – uh, just got hired by Google um, as a programmer, and he had gone to college early as well. You went to UCLA. So did you spend four years there? Yeah, so I spent the four years there. So I started here at 14, and then I'm graduating at 18. Okay, and also international master in chess, um, won more national titles than I can count, and uh, <laughs> and um, quite good at the math competitions as well, I guess, from what I read. Yeah, Um not not quite as good as a chess competition, but still still compete in those for fun. Okay, so you're um, still doing that too? Yeah, there's not really very much. Once you go out of college, um, like there's one big one in college called the Putnam. That like most of the math, but a lot of the math like um, competitors competitors take. But besides that, there's like after college, there's not as much. Unlike chess, where you can just do it. Um, okay. And we had yeah. another young wizard as a guest, David Brodsky. I don't know if you you know him. Uh, he's a little younger than you, but uh, seems to be following in your footsteps because he uh, he does the math competitions and just got his IM title. So, oh, wow. Well, yeah. <laughs> uh, maybe you'll be writing a recommendation for him for Google in a couple of years. But, uh, but so he told me a little bit about the math competition. But one question I'm wondering is, like, is it based more on degree of difficulty or, like, speed of uh, solving problems? It's actually not really based on either. So the competition, most of the like the higher, like the, at the highest levels of math, it's not really about speed or um, difficulty. It's mostly just about creativity. So the problems that um, you get on these competitions, you don't need a like a college degree. Um, like usually, all you need is math that you learn in high school. But just the things that these make things difficult is that the solutions usually just require you to be extremely creative. And they're usually um, pretty simple too. Like once you see the solution, it's like it's not very complicated, but it's just strange. Um, so yeah, and they're usually not super fast. Um, different ones usually get between like thirty minutes to an hour and a half per problem. Okay. So, so you get you get plenty of time. So are they like are they kind of like the sort of logic problems you would come across, like sort of hypotheticals of like you know getting people across the river or getting people out of the room sort of thing or is it more strictly math uh oriented yes it's more strictly math oriented um i think with the the logic problems yeah there's not really anything they're all like they all have like very clear answers and like once you have an answer you know if it's right or wrong 
Okay. So, but the logic problem is because there can be some ambiguity there, and they don't really want that on like a nationwide test. So. Okay. Okay, and we're jumping around a little bit, but getting back <laughs> to the Google um, hiring, so uh, the article I read indicated it was quite an intensive process as well. So, what were the what was the interview process? To the extent you're allowed to talk about it, what was that like? What sort of questions did they ask, and did they do tests? And uh, tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, so the test or the interviews that I had, they're all purely technical. So um, they'll just, I'll go. So for like one of my interviews, I will, I'll be in a room. There will be might be two people interviewing me, and they'll give me um, some kind of algorithm. So an algorithm is like a sequence of steps that you can perform to do some goal. Um, so an, a, a really simple one might be if you have a list of numbers. Can you add up all the numbers in the list? Okay. So, and you'd write an algorithm in like a specific language. So, my language that I chose was C++. Okay. And then I'd write this on a whiteboard. So, normally when you're coding, you're coding on a computer, and like there's tools that like help you out if you like make small mistakes. But there, they have you code on a whiteboard. So it's pretty. Um, it's really tough, just because if you make small mistakes, like you're not gonna. <laughs> there's no one to help you catch them. Okay, and is it? Like, are you graded, or? I, I you you don't know at the time. So, okay. Like they just they'll just say like they'll they're taking notes and they're writing down, um, they're taking notes on their computer presumably of what um, of the algorithms and like the steps you took to solve the problem. But you don't know at the time if like how you did. Okay, so. and you don't know to what extent like your hiring is based on getting the answers right and performance on the test versus like. You know, most jobs they would ex- they would consider sort of uh, overall fit with the workplace, extracurricular, like you know, try to evaluate your potential, stuff like that. So, I'm I'm guessing all that stuff does go into it. It's not like strictly whoever wrote the best code gets it, is it? I, I don't think so. I think I think more so than other positions. I think it is based on just coding. Oh wow! I, I'm guess I'm guessing they do consider everything other things. But at least during the interviews, they don't. Um, I had a total of five interviews, and all in all five interviews, um, all they asked me was technical questions. So, so not a lot of those questions that chess players get used to about <laughs> yeah. all, all the silly questions about like how many moves in advance you can see and stuff like that. No, none of those things. None so. at all. Wow, <laughs> nope. that's shocking. Yeah, so it's pretty. It's pretty intense. Just, just right in there. Just, wow. Huh. Okay. And um, and this news release that that. Uh, went around. Um, was that something that that you you and your family put together, or how did it suddenly come out? If uh, you were hired a few months ago for this, um, well, so I was hired a few months ago, but I wasn't sure. Um, I wasn't completely sure if I was going to be um, taking the job because I had also applied for some graduate schools. Oh, okay. Um, so yeah, just once because um, most of the the graduate school like the decisions come out by like mid April or so. So um, it was after that that I knew that I was going to be taking it for sure. Okay. Now, I don't want to bring up a sensitive subject, but does this mean that there's a graduate school that didn't admit you? Uh, <laughs> there are, there were some. Yes, I, I need um, to. I need to talk with those people, Luke. <laughs> I think they have some flaws in their admission process. Yeah, I, I think a lot of it might be the age. Um, okay. And just especially for master's programs, they really like it if you have some experience in the workplace. Okay. And were these uh, CS programs? Yeah, some computer science and some math. Okay. Um, 
so I, what I'm planning to do instead of actually going to graduate school is there's um, Georgia Tech has an online master's in computer science um, that's specifically designed for people that are um, cu- concurrently working. So I think I'll be doing that. They, they make it um, it's pretty affordable and they make it really easy to like it's still, and it's still like a really high quality program. Like it's, they do they put you the, through the same process as the students on the campus. So that's I'll be I'll be doing that um, while I'm doing while I'm working at Google. You're not one to take it easy, huh? <laughs> Nope. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, well, let's uh, let's talk about chess for a bit because uh, uh, this is a chess podcast. So I'm like, you know, I find your whole story fascinating, and hopefully our listeners do too. But I'm sure they'd like to hear some some chess talk too. So uh, my first question is, what is the, how does this impact your plans of becoming a grandmaster? I do. So I'm still really trying to become a grandmaster. So I currently have one grandmaster norm. And I'm about 50 fit A points away. So you need to get to 2,500. I'm about 2,450 right now. So I still want to become a grandmaster. Um, obviously, during college, it's hard to travel for tournaments. Just like the tournaments are usually pretty long, and like you don't really know like when you're gonna have tests or something that you might need to be there for. So during the so I started at Google in August. So during the summer, I'm going to a lot of tournaments. Um, like the Chicago Open and the World Open and tournaments like that. Um, so really, I'll be I'm studying a lot now to try to get my Grandmaster title. Okay. Um, but so I do want to get that definitely. I don't think I plan after I get that. I'll, I'm sure I'll still play um, occasionally, um, and I'm sure I'll play online and things like that. But I don't really plan on continuing like um, as much competitively. Okay, and that is, um, I guess, your job as the primary reason for that decision yeah just there, because i mean it's hard to take like five three to five days off yeah of course <laughs> yeah. and is there so, otherwise you and en- you enjoy playing though it's not like i mean do you enjoy the experience of traveling and going to tournaments yeah i definitely do um yeah i've been doing it for pretty much as long as i can remember um going to these tournaments and it's really i've, I've really enjoyed the tournaments just the I mean, playing chess is great <laughs> in itself. Then just like it's the traveling and just all the places you get to see. Um, yeah, so yeah, I, I definitely, I definitely do want to continue. But. And are you doing any international travel this summer for uh, chess? I don't, I, I don't have any planned right now. I, my personal recommendation, not that you asked for it, is that uh, you you look for some uh, some international travel because it sounds like uh, someone who works as hard as you do. I don't know when you'll have another chance, so mm-hmm. uh, you should you should take advantage if you have an opportunity. And you know, according to the news reports, you're you're getting a decent paycheck, so <laughs> um, you might as well go for it. Um, we've had a few podcast guests who've who've uh, made European trips and stuff like that, and they, none of them seem to regret it. Um, but okay, enough uh, enough unsolicited advice. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, so let's get it. So first of all, all right, t- on to chess. Tell me, uh, you mentioned you're going to be studying a lot. So a player like you, rated twenty four fifty, and trying to sort of break through that final barrier to grandmaster. Uh, what is your study routine like? What do you do? Um, so I do. I mean, I do a lot of the same things as as, as, as anyone studying chess. Um, but the main thing I focus on probably is openings right now. Um, especially at the higher levels, the higher level, the higher the level you get, the more important openings are relatively, because there's fewer fewer mistakes in the whole game, and if you make a mistake in the opening, um, 
you could have just known like with the computer then that's especially bad so and it's, it's, it's more important relatively so yeah most of it is just going through openings um just trying trying to learn some new openings but mostly just like reviewing my openings and just especially um like at my last tournament i played i lost the two grandmasters out of the opening right but it's just um especially because openings tend to be got be forgotten very easily right so um like if i don't study them for a couple months then suddenly i don't remember and then you're doing uh, primarily chess-based work for openings i would gather yeah, just like chess-based databases of all my different lines. Um, okay, and do you and look it, at the whole games or just try to memorize uh, the theory? Usually, um, I'll look at I'll look at whole games in like key lines. Usually, a lot of them, a lot of the games end up looking similar and similar um, in the opening. Like, if you might have five different variations, but they all lead to some similar positions. Um, okay. So you don't you don't necessarily need to look at games for the whole thing. But um, yeah, besides that, I still do I still do like tactics. Um, some tactics playing. I play some on, online, although that's more just for fun. <laughs> playing Blitz on um, the different websites. But okay, where do you do your? How do you do, go about doing tactics? Uh, I usually there's a the main. So I have some books, um, uh, but the usually I'm using it's called ChessTempo.com. Yeah. So pop- yeah, that's yeah, it's a popular one. And the puzzles there, I like them a lot because they're all from real games. Mm-hmm. So and a lot of times they're. They're kind of silly. Like in a normal tactics book, they'll usually be like, there's some sacrifice you have to calculate. Um, and like you have to find the mate at the end of the, at the end of the variation or something. But these, these all come from real games. So sometimes it'll just be like, um, like there's just a free piece, but is it really a free piece? Um, or is like, there's there some trick behind it. Um, I don't know. I just really like that aspect of it. And the puzzles are very hard too. Very, some of them are very, very hard. So. Okay, and they're from tournament games or games on the server? Or? They're all, the chess base, or chess tempo has a database of like 4 million games or something. Okay. And they're all from, there's, they have some um, algorithm, I guess, that they use to generate puzzles. So. Okay, and are the puzzles repeated often or not much? Uh, not much. Okay. Sounds like I need to uh, try out that tactics <laughs> trainer. Um, I know that a, a few other guests have mentioned it as well. Um, and, um, do you feel like you have a strength as a chess player stylistically? Uh, I think my strength is in like the the wild positions that you get, like the the openings, where just there's just like so much going on um, that it's hard to keep track of. We're just like everyone's um, attacking each other and just like the very tactical positions. Um, okay. So yeah, th- those are I mean those are my favorite to play. I think that's why like, I've just studied them more and so. Um, yeah, I think those are my strongest. Okay, and to the extent that you're able to evaluate, do you do you feel like your grandmaster strength now, or like you need to get better? And uh, in I order think to- everything besides my openings um, is, but I think especially be uh, yeah, then my openings I don't think they are. Okay, so that, that's why I'm trying to focus on those. Um, and at, 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 to some extent, it's kind of just luck. Like what, what, what openings different people play in different games because um, they could play an opening that I might not have reviewed for a couple months or they could play something that I had reviewed the other day right um, so just just the more you cover the higher chance there is that you actually know it well and then and are you a guy who plays like a lot of different openings or you tend to stick with um, you know uh, things that you know really well I usually stick with things I know really well occasionally I'll go off on a limb and play something weird but it usually doesn't work 
Right. Okay. Well, so, um, like I remember at the junior, so the at one of the big tournaments I play in, um, like I played some, I played a weird line at the Sicilian. That's not, it's not very good, but I was just trying to throw my opponent off track, and I lost as white in like twenty moves. Um, so after that, I don't, I haven't really experimented too much with with different things. Okay. Um, all right, and let's take it back because you said you you started, or I read you started playing chess when you were four, right? Yeah. And was that your first, when was your first tournament? Uh, I think it was five, five or six, somewhere around there. Wow. Um, okay. I actually, yeah. I actually have a four-year-old son, so it's just <laughs> sho- just shocking to me because he, uh, he had plays with a rule that there's no captures allowed, which, uh, makes him, uh, makes yes, him tough, sorry. tough to beat, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, I don't think he would, um, I don't think the tournament directors would like him too much. So, um, when you played, so when you played at four, you knew all the rules and you allowed captures, I'm guessing? Yeah, so uh, my parents—they are—they um, actually own like a chess school, and in, in, so I'm from Idaho, and they own a chess school there. And my dad's a—he's a decent—he's a, a pretty strong chess player. Um, so like he taught me that he was the one that taught me back when I was four. Um, and when you're a young kid like that, you—you you really just have to make it very, very fun for them. So. Um, yeah, I mean, you still want to teach them the real rules, but you want to make them have fun. You want to give them prizes, and you want to, um, okay. like, you want to make them. You want to just not just do straight up chess because chess by itself, especially when you're young, seems very boring. Um, so yeah, he he was able to make it very fun for me. Um, so what sort of prizes? Like I'm taking careful notes here. I'm gonna <laughs> gonna go wake up my four year old as soon as we get done. So no, I'm just kidding. But uh, so uh, prizes? What else? Like, did he uh, tell like, stories? Like, yeah, stories definitely. Um, like you're traveling through the forest and you meet like a chess master, and um, he tells you that he will. Uh, give you part of the magical gem that you need, but you have to solve this chess challenge first. Things like just things like that. Um, like they're, they're very silly, um, but when you're young, they they seem they they can be they can get very into them, and then they're really willing to solve the chess challenges. Versus if you just give them challenges to solve, they don't they don't really want to do it. And when you, if you do that when they're young, then that really develops like they really like the game. Um, as they get older, like they'll need less of the the non of the, the they can do more of the chess at a time right and I think that develops into like a really love of the game a, a true love of the game so I think that really um, that that's really helped me just loving the game and I think that's how that's how I, that's how people should get started but okay and you may not remember being that you were just four but you also may have heard from your parents so was it like they taught you the rules and you got it right away or was the actual process of learning the rules a challenge uh, for? Um, I don't think the rules were um, I, I don't really remember about, about that but I don't think I don't think the rules were too challenging I think just um, like a lot of it was just like sitting still right and okay just, like, just being able to sit still and actually like play a couple moves of a chess game is hard for um for someone as young as that so okay and at what age did you feel like it like took a hold of you and like you didn't need to be told fairy tales anymore and you just wanted to uh play and study chess um probably when i was like six or seven okay um, that's what i would so, have guessed yeah so i mean you have to do it. i mean I, even when i was five like i started because i think i played in like some i played in some tournament back then um i remember not doing very well and i'm, I'm a very competitive person so I really don't like losing, 
and that's always <laughs> I've never really liked losing um, so I think that kind of even back then I think I was very competitive um, I have a brother and we're very competitive with each other and he was a chess player right he is a chess player so um, and he was playing yeah. back then right yeah he so he started bef- he started one year before I did okay um, and your parents so, yeah. were chess teachers even back then <laughs> Okay, so yeah, that's helpful for sure. Yeah. How did they? Uh, you're from Idaho, correct? Yeah. Um, where in Idaho? Uh, Boise, so the capital. Okay, so yeah, so there actually is some population there. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, much, I was but. gonna. Yeah. Otherwise, I was wondering how, like, who they could teach chess to. But I guess uh, there's decent enough density where. So they were able to do that full time. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Um, and uh, did they teach? So I guess they taught in schools and ran tournaments and stuff like that. Yeah, that kind of thing. So, so you were also identified early on as, as rather academically gifted. Is is that an accurate assessment, Luke? <laughs> uh, yeah. So I think when I was young, um, I really liked math. Um, I didn't enjoy reading as much, but like I really liked math. So like whenever we go to the store um, and just seeing all the numbers of like the different. Um, like the prices of the different items I think that just really excited me I think my parents could tell that like I really liked the math and it was kind of similar with the chess like they like I liked the math so they helped me develop it um, from a very early age um, like teaching me like how to like double numbers so like when I was um, when I was five like they taught me how to like double the numbers up into so like going like one then two then four then eight then sixteen um they taught me how to do that and like to go into like the millions I just thought that was really cool um and yeah I I guess it was just similar with chess like they just they really helped me develop it early on and yeah so when I was in third so yeah so that was in my first couple years so I started I played chess I'm playing a lot of chess obviously um I'm still going to school and then when I'm in second grade um I don't know, when I'm in first grade, my brother, Carl, um, he takes a test to get into a magnet school. It was called the Treasure Valley Math and Science Center in Boise. And he got in. So the normal age for entering was the seventh grade. He entered there as a sixth grader. And then my parents saw that I was rather, I was relatively bored with, especially the math um, in my school. So they had me take the test as a second grader to get into the school. Huh. Okay. So then, I see where this is going, uh, by the way. <laughs> yeah. So then I entered the so normally um, the normal just seventh grade. So I entered that as a third grader. Wow. Um, so. So you yeah, were in that, seventh grade. You were in a seventh grade class in third grade. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Well, uh, <laughs> what are your memories of it? Um, I remember. I don't. I don't remember too much. I remember at least from the early years. Um. At the school, I went to that school for long for up until I um, before I went to UCLA. Um, okay, were the kids like nice to you? Yeah, they were. They were. Um, I mean, at, at that age, it's, obvious, it's very obvious that I'm much younger than them. But yeah, they were very nice to me. Um, That's good. Yeah, I don't remember feeling. Yeah, it might be that you were so much younger that they felt they had to be nice to you. Like if you were one or two years younger, they could like pick on you and stuff. But like. <laughs> Um, yeah, when you're like half their age, it would <laughs> be a little awkward for them Pretty to much, bully yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well that that's amazing. Um, so so you're doing the the academic stuff and the chess stuff, and you started to study chess a lot right away, or was it just sort of you were talented and just 
played like any other kid? Um, I, I did. I know I studied a decent amount. I think at first, um, I don't think I studied a lot. Um, but yeah, I think I just. I mean, I, I liked it a lot, so I was able to study. Um, and then yeah, and I guess I, you had your dad at home, so it didn't yeah, necessarily. Yeah, and he was. Yeah, and it wasn't. Um, and he helped me a lot. He helped me like pick books and. Um, so, any uh, favorite books from your youth that you would recommend to, to listeners? Um, favorite books from my youth. chess books, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember, I can't. What was a good one? I mean, I know there are just like a lot of just like chess kids, um, like tactics books. Okay. Um, so just like things like that, uh, I can't remember the names of the specific okay. ones. And what about now? Is there any like any books at your current level that that you still work through, or are you just mostly um, too busy with openings? Yeah, I, the main books I work through are Deveretsky books. Uh-huh. Um, so he, him and um, Archer Yus- Yusupov. Yusupov. Yeah, yeah, they've written um, a lot of books together. Um, I don't know, at least at least ten. But and uh, those books are great because um, they. They're able to cater to such a wide audience in chess, which um, which it is hard to do. Um, but yeah, especially those are more um, those are more you typically more positionally based um, versus the tactics that like I really like. So I think those are um, I still do those, and I've been going through the those different books. Okay, and were you like uh, near the top of your age group um, from an early age? I know that. Uh, Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, so it was when I was, uh, I think when it was when I was eight or nine. I when I was when I was eight, I had like a breakthrough. I went from like twelve hundred to eighteen hundred in a single year, um, and that's when like I realized like, I realized that I could actually. I was like number. I was still wasn't at the very top, but I was near. I was up there um, for my age, and I realized that this is something that I, I could actually <laughs> be very good at. So. Okay. All right, and. Um, so, any like standout memories um, from from growing up playing chess? Like, was there is there one thing that you think of as a, a highlight, uh, or is it just general <laughs> pleasant memories? I, I I definitely just I I remember I and mean, there's no at least from my early days I can't I don't there's no nothing in particular that really stands out. Um, I don't know. I remember the first time I beat my brother at chess. That was fun. <laughs> um, but besides that, <laughs> nothing too much in particular from from early Okay, on. and then all right. So, and you went to college at thirteen, but I guess it's now. So you finished twelfth grade, or did you skip a grade in order to go to college? Um, so I was in. So the school I went to, the Treasure Valley Math and Science Center, they're just math and science. Um, so. Like I did that through for six years, so like I like I went through like the twelfth grade there, um, but that school didn't. They're not like an official high school. Like usually the students there would also go to like another high school, um, for like their English and their um, history and those kind of things. So I did I did take some of the English and history um, classes, but I didn't actually graduate. So. Um, yeah, I went. I did. I went through the twelfth grade of the Treasure Valley Math and Science, and then I went to college without taking a lot of like the English and um, art and history classes that you normally need to take. Okay. And uh, how did you decide what to study in college? Um, I, I'd very. I'd always enjoyed math, so I entered. Um, 
UCLA as a math major. And, but I, I'd i taken a computer science, I'd taken one course in high school on computer science. Um, and I really liked it. Um, and so like, I wanted to try that out. And it's, it's very similar to math, um, computer science. It's a lot of the same skills um, that you need for both of them. And then they're both similar to chess too, with the skills, like the, the problem solving, um, like the more creative aspect of it a lot of times. And I think that drew me to math and computer science, both of them. So that's how I ended up, I ended up being a double major in math and computer science. So Okay. Yeah, because I've noticed that I think there's a fair amount of overlap between chess players who do programming and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Um, did you have that link directly in your mind or you just tried programming and independently um, realized you liked it? Yeah, it was um, – I knew – I'd heard it was similar to math. Okay. I didn't really know anything about it besides that, but um, – Okay, and did you find the course load at UCLA um, challenging? Yeah, <laughs> um, it's, it's been very challenging over um, yeah, over four years, to the, especially the double major, because right. it's, it's required me to take most, um, so UCLA is on the quarter system, which means, that, so every um, academic year there's three quarters, um, which is kind of confusing, but there's also a summer quarter. So, um, but yeah, it's like, usually I'll take like, four or five classes a quarter um which has been quite a lot one quarter i even had to take seven classes so wow yeah, it's been it's been a lot of work um but i think that's it's prepared me very well for um for the future and did you get the sense that other people so it it was nothing specific to you you felt like anyone taking your course load was basically going to be swamped yeah i mean, most of the Computer science classes, I think, I honestly think this, I think that they're the hardest because most of them, they're all project-based, pretty much. So, like, throughout throughout an entire class, like, you'll develop, like, a specific project. Um, but, like, you have to make sure it actually works at the end of the quarter. And, like, there's, like, very specific guidelines. And um, usually a single class will be, outside of class, it can be, like, up to, like, 12 hours a week. Um of just like programming that you have to do every week so and just taking when I have to take like two or three of those at a time um, I, I think I think anyone's going to find it challenging and all okay. of my all of my peers have for sure so and so how many hours a week do you think you were doing schoolwork these past few years um, I mean counting in, in class time as well as counting in class time yeah I mean probably at least like 60 probably oh wow that's oh, insane so yeah, yeah it's, it's, a, it's a lot um, so basically, you studied zero chess. I'm guessing. <laughs> yeah, not very much. Like occasionally, I'd play online, or occasionally I do a little bit. Um, this quarter, like this current quarter, my last quarter is the only one. Like I'm only taking three classes this quarter, so it's actually been not too bad. Um, so that's why I've actually had time to study chess. But yeah, it's been it's, been, it's a lot of work. So. And do you and you're getting some time. After you finish, you're getting some time completely off. Is that right? Or are yeah. you going? So I graduate okay. in on June, um, mid June, and then I'm going to start at Google at the end of August. Okay. So about two, two and a half months. Um, so you won't even know what to do with yourself. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what do you what are you into outside of uh, academic pursuits? What do you do when you don't use your brain? Um, I play. Well, I play piano. Okay. But, um, that doesn't count. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I do play video games. Um, okay, nice. Yeah, so most of the... That like, sort of counts. Of 
Yeah, like the Nintendo games, like uh, Mario and Pokemon. Oh, nice. Yeah, uh, into sports at all or uh, m- not, music? Um, I, I don't. I don't listen to very much music, which is yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, no, and I don't. I, I used to swim, but besides that, I didn't really do. I haven't done too much sports either. So. Okay. Um, and so the job at Google, um, have you talked to people who, who do what you'll be doing? Um, I, I haven't, I don't know anyone that's done the the same job, but I've talked to other people, um, that have worked at Google. Um, and they just, they find the, Google is just such an amazing company to work for. Um, like they just, they make it. They really want you to do the the best you can, and they give you a lot of resources and just um, a lot of <laughs> even just random things that they'll help you with. Um, so like all your all three of your meals are provided for. Wow. Um, yeah, I mean if you get there early enough for breakfast. Okay, um, but you have to be but, at the office. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to be at the office. Okay. So at, at they have like their main campus in Mountain View. That's very um, it's like the big one. So and they have um, they'll even do your laundry for you. So <laughs> I don't know how that works yet, but but you'll um, find out. <laughs> yes, I'm sure I will. So and uh, do you get the sense that you're going to be like under pressure to work a lot of hours? Uh, I don't think so. I think um, the other people, the people I've talked to in other um, jobs, have said that they don't like once I get off work like there's no pressure to like constantly be checking your phone or um, like checking your work email so okay and I know historically there's been like a legend of Google where they they give you time that you're supposed to spend on projects outside of um, your strict um, like purview as a programmer do you know if that's still a thing yeah so um, so 20% of your time um, so I guess like one day a week you're supposed, you're allowed to spend on stuff that's outside of your project, yeah. So it can be um, a variety of different things. You Just? can be. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think it's supposed to. Usually, it's still related to the company. So, so you would have to write a chess think, program. Yes, I'll okay. write a chess program to. I don't know to, to solve chess. Right. Um, but no, yeah, but yeah, you can do a lot of different things. Um, like Google has like, I know some people volunteer with their time um, through like Google programs. Um, you can also like work on other work with like other teams. So like if there's a team you're interested in that you might want to transfer to, um, you can spend some time like with them on that on that twenty percent, so that you get to um, so you can determine if you actually want to do it beforehand. Um, okay. And but, do you have uh, projects in mind yet, or is that like uh, too far away? Yeah, I don't really know. the The main thing is Google is such a big company um, that there's like there's a lot of teams. Um, there's just, there's just a lot of teams. There's, I think I've heard that there are like over five thousand different teams. Wow. So, um, like some of them, like the Google does. So natural language processing is what like a lot of what Google does, which is just um, like trying to find like when you tell when you type something into Google, like what is um, what is cheese, then um, like they have to figure out what you mean by that. So like, and that's like that's like the biggest team at Google, and that's like five thousand people. But like, you might not even think about like that when you're thinking about the company. Um, and I'm sure there's a lot of teams like that that I just don't even know about. So I don't really know. And you don't know what you have no idea where you'll be. Yeah, I don't know where I'll be yet. So okay. And you mentioned uh, 
jokingly computer solving chess, but it occurred to me that you kind of have a unique perspective on the the relationship of computers and chess and the future of computers and chess. So, where do you think we're headed in terms of uh, chess nine sixty and uh, you know uh, computers um, destroying or helping people play chess? I mean, <laughs> computers passed humans in chess a long time ago. Right. So, yeah. Um, I mean, I think if they had destroyed chess, they would have already done it. Okay. Um, like, I, I mean, I don't think just because the computers know um, how to play good chess doesn't make it less interesting for us to to try. Um, I do. I do. One thing about computers is it, that kind of annoys me, um, especially when like watching games. Is how like when because usually when you watch games like chess games online, there's always like a computer now that tells you, oh, this guy made a mistake. Like now his computer now his position is plus one. Oh, the other guy made a mistake. Now the position is minus one. Um, it takes a lot of the thinking out of it, um, and like a lot of the human element out of even just watching the game, even if you're not playing. Um, so, like I, I don't think they're gonna ruin chess for sure, and um. Well, does it bother you that you have to spend all this time studying openings? That you're yeah, perhaps- it does. Like, because oh, I, I don't like that. I don't like just memorizing yeah. as much as possible, just in the hope that I get something that I know, so that I don't lose out of the opening. Um, yeah, like, I, I don't. I don't find it interesting. I don't know if other people do. And it's always struck but, me as a related, but not not really the same skill set. Yeah, because um, it's it's a lot of it's just memorization. Yeah, and it's not you know it's not growing in equal proportion to like okay everyone's better at chess than they were 50 years ago but the degree to which they're better at tactics is probably smaller than the degree to which like the percentage high uh, the percentage more theory that they need to know yeah definitely um yeah so it's frustrating so are you an advocate of some sort of uh, alternative chess like you know 960 or fisher random or whatever you know you want to um, call it I, I, haven't, I haven't really spent that much time like thinking about about like the other kind of chess i do i do like chess 960 um but the the randomness of it i don't like randomness either so um i like because like chess the thing i really like about chess is how it's like it's all skill right um versus a lot of other games um that are popular have have some element of luck and I, i don't like that about fisher random um just because even if even if the positions are symmetrical for both sides, just the, the having the first the first move is white can be a, be a big advantage in some positions and not an advantage in all in others. Um, so, yeah, that's I mean that's what I don't like about those. I don't really know what to what to suggest instead of that though. Okay, like I said, that that twenty percent time at Google. You yes, just, uh, <laughs> just gotta uh, tie it into programming. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know recently Google had like the AlphaGo program. I don't know if you heard about that. No. But that's like the um, so Go has been like a so chess has has been um, computers have been better for a long time. But Go was for a long time considered that like it wouldn't happen for a lot longer that computers could beat humans at Go because it's a lot even more so more so than chess. It's a lot more intuitive. But um, earlier, I think it was earlier this year, late last year, um, Google made a program called AlphaGo, and the challenge like one of the best I think it's the current world champion of Go or like a former world champion like pretty recent um, and it beat him 4 to 1 wow so um, 
Yeah, I know, I know Google is interested in these kinds of like artificial intelligence programs that can um, play these different games. So. Okay, so you we'll never see know. About that. Yeah. Yeah. I think I only have one or two more questions, uh, Luke. Um, so. Do you have any advice for chess players? Uh, I mean, the broadest brushstroke is, of course, wishing to improve. But the more the more general the question, the harder it is to give. So, let's start by saying, you know, someone, a kid who's really into chess, um, teenager who's uh, rated eighteen hundred. What what should they do to make expert? I mean, a lot of. I mean, probably the the the. The best way to get to expert is just by practice, just by studying a lot. I mean, besides like in in specific, um, every, I mean, everyone's going to enjoy different aspects of their chess. Everyone's going to study different things. Um, so like, I can tell you to study tactics, but you might be really good at tactics, and you might need to study positional chess. And me, me telling you to study tactics might actually hurt you. Um, Seems unlikely. So, <laughs> I, I, I guess tactics can always be improved, but um, I mean, but I mean, just relatively. But right, uh, no, I know what you mean. Yeah, so um, I mean, a lot of it is probably just like self-evaluation. Just like really, like look at one of your games and just make sure you're honest with yourself about like what mistakes you made. Because um, it's, it's easy to play a game and just uh, even if, if you lose and just say that like, oh, that's just a one-time thing; it's not going to happen again. Um, but just be honest with yourself about your your playing, and like actually focus on what you're not the best at. And when you're playing, do you consider yourself a practical player, like over the board? Um, yeah, I, I generally, um, yeah, I don't like do. I generally don't play like crazy like sacrifices or those kind of things. Um, yeah, pretty. And you're good at assessing whether or not you should take a draw and stuff like that. Um, generally. Yeah, there have been. I don't think there have been any major cases where I could taken a draw on a winning position or those kind of things, which, okay. is, which is good. <laughs> That's the worst thing that can happen. Yeah, it's, yeah. Just, like, you, you realize later that you're just like crushing your opponent, but it looks like but you just took a draw. Um, even against higher rated players, I've generally avoided taking draws um, because usually, I mean, usually when a higher rated player offers you a draw, you're not going to. It's because they have a bad position. So. Um, but and just I mean, if you're playing this long game, you may as well finish it and like don't just don't take a draw just be, because they offer you a draw. So Luke, just one more question. I know you mentioned you mentioned you're going to play some tournaments this summer and you're hoping to make mm-hmm. GM, uh, mm-hmm. but it so it doesn't sound like are you going to target any sort of norm type tournaments? Like I mean, I know you're going to play super strong fields like at the World <laughs> Open and stuff like that, but. Like, are you going to go to any of these invitationals where they uh, they try to make norms a little more doable? Uh, I don't have any currently on the radar. Um, I've I've always I've liked open tournaments more, and I think I think for my playing style they're better for me because like in the closed tournaments you really get to learn what openings your opponents play very very well. Um, so I think that the openings, open tournaments have generally been better for me than the closed tournaments. Um, so yeah, that, that's why I've, I've only, the only closed tournament I've ever gone to is like the U.S. Junior Closed. Okay. Um, so but besides that, I don't think I've ever gone to like an Invitational or something. I, I, I don't like them as much. Um, I, like, I like playing as like an open field, but so yeah, I don't... And I don't want to be a downer, but if you if you're to not get the two norms that you need uh, over the summer, 
with you starting full-time work do you have any sense of uh like how you how much of an effort you would make after that i'm um i don't know because i feel like when i'm working i don't I'm, i feel like i might have more time um i, I don't i don't know the specifics of the of how it works um but i feel like i might have actually have more time to study so i might um i might just not play for a while but i'm, I'm definitely still going to study if i don't um if I don't make it, I don't know when exactly I'd play next, but definitely, yeah, definitely and still want to get it. So. And luckily, the Bay Area is not like a backwater. I think you'll have some chances to play without having to travel too far. So yeah. Um. Okay. Well, Luke, um, I really appreciate your time. It's, it's quite a story. Um, I think you're you're you make me feel like I haven't accomplished anything in my life. But you know, I'm not going to hold you personally responsible for that. <laughs> um, right. So, I mean, you're you're doing amazing things, and uh, it's definitely um, good publicity for chess. Uh, what you've done, and I, I I look forward to seeing what you accomplish. Although, I'm sure chess fans out there will be a little bit sad that you're going to uh, downshift a little bit. Yeah, but. But uh, if anyone listening to this wants to reach you, is there a way to contact you or like uh, questions or? Um, yeah. Um, so I have a I have a website. Um, it's just lukevelotti dot com. Um, my last name is tricky to spell, so it's V E L L O T T I. Um, lukevelotti dot com. Okay. Yeah. Great. Well, there you have it. Well, Luke, thanks again for doing this. Good luck with everything. Um, Yeah, thank you. It was a pleasure to to do this. Thanks for listening to Perpetual Chess. To hear more episodes, give feedback, or suggest guests, go to perpetualchesspod.com. If you like the show, please help me out by telling your friends and giving me a high rating on iTunes. I'll be back next week with another episode of the Perpetual Chess Podcast. Podcast Network.